It's Wild Weekly on the Fan. Pass it from Kaprizov, Johnson scores! Now here to talk about the Minnesota Wild and the NHL. From the Wild, Kevin Falness, And from the Fan, Brandon Molesky. Hey, good evening. Welcome to KFN Wild Weekly. We're leading you up to the Wild versus Edmonton Oilers game tonight. It's an 8 o'clock start, so about an hour from now. Pre-game about 45 minutes from now. I'm Brandon Molesky. Kevin Falness with me. Kevin, great to see you as always. Yes, always good to see you. You know, it was just a couple days ago, the Wild coming off that 10-goal game against the Vancouver Canucks where they rallied from a 5-2 deficit. They scored six goals in like a five-and-a-half-minute stretch early in the third period. You look at the standings after the game, they're two points out of a playoff spot. And just a couple days later after they lost to Winnipeg, and then last night it did not go well for the Minnesota Wild with basically every team they were chasing in the Western Conference standings, Nashville, St. Louis, Seattle, and Calgary all winning. All of a sudden, they're 12th in the Western Conference and four points back of that final playoff spot. Yeah, it kind of feels like this is the way it's going to be the entire way, especially yeah. if you lose a game and then you sit idle one night uh, and, and make that two nights, in fact, and you think that they were off for two consecutive nights in between games. Uh, that's the way it's going to be. You know, you're not going to win every game down the stretch, but you got to win those opportunities when you get them, especially those head to head matchups. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for them in the peg. A very good Winnipeg Jets team beat them up a little bit. Actually, the Wild played well in that game. But regardless, they lost. And now, you know, their point streak comes to an end. And now they're scrambling their way back into the top eight again. Well, one area they were lacking against Winnipeg that I don't think will be as much of an issue against Edmonton tonight is their size, right? Felino and Maroon out of the lineup. Bogosian got hurt in that game. Those are your three. You yeah. know, it's not the biggest team to begin with, but those are your three beefiest guys, and that's not the team with you know with how good they were in net front presence and getting those types of deflection goals out front. Um, that was kind of the biggest difference in that game. I mean, and that's the last game that you the last place you want to go into missing your big bodies and then losing one of them in the middle of the game. That's the last place where you want that to take place. We know what a horror story it's been going to Canada Life Center in the past, and it didn't turn out to be that way. Bogosian got hurt when uh, ran into Pionk. I still don't know exactly what happened to him, but suffered an upper body injury. But the best thing about that is, despite the loss, the Wild came out of there. With Kaprizov healthy, because if they want to do anything the rest of the season, Kaprizov yes. has to be healthy, and uh, they did escape uh, unharmed, at least in number 97. The one thing that concerned me over the last two games, um, you know, when you look at how they were playing coming out of the All-Star break, their goaltending was terrific, and a big reason for why they were winning games. And even in the 10-7 win, I didn't think Gus was very good Monday and Mark Andre Fleury, well, you know, three of the five goals he gave up in Winnipeg, I think no one he had no shot at, and and all goalies are going to give up. There was two that I thought, yeah, maybe he's got to have those. Um, you know, two games, small sample size, but the goaltending was so good for a stretch there. They really can't afford that to falter at any point through the rest of the year. It's taken a step back, and these last two games are glaringly obvious that uh, something's not right with those two. I'm hoping that they can get the the ship righted. If not, they're going to get thrown inside out tonight in in Edmonton because that's a high-powered team. Uh, not breaking any news here, but when you talk about McDavid, you talk about uh, Drysaddle and some of the other toys that they have offensively, where they might be lax defensively and in goal is still is not solidified in my my in my opinion. But what Edmonton can do to you offensively, if you let them, if you let them see a window, if you let them taste blood, you're in trouble. So hopefully that doesn't happen tonight. When you look at tonight's game, I feel like the Wild of I would have to actually like look at the stats and look at the numbers. 
I feel like the Wild have played the Oilers as well as anyone over the years in terms of Connor McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, and I think a big reason for that is the Wild have always had mobile defensemen like Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen, and I, I feel like earlier in the year when the Wild played the Oilers, Brodeen might have been out of that game. And at least at the very least, you're going to have him. You know, the, They've been a lot better defensively since he's been returned to the lineup. And when you're on the road, you know, you're know you probably going to be rotating favor on one shift, Brodeen on one shift. So you're making sure one of those two is always out against Connor McDavid. Well, and this is another example of why it's going to be hard to go these two games without Zach Bogosian. Say what you want about Zach Bogosian. I know that he had some detractors earlier on in this season, but he's been a solidified top-minute grabber for this Wild team. I know it's been about Brodeen when he's healthy, Middleton, and of course Brock Faber has been ridiculous. But don't forget about Zach Bogosian. I think that's going to be a, a hindrance to not have him tonight. When, when you talk about the Wild versus the Oilers, one and one on the season series. I just looked all this stuff up. Uh, Wild have won nine of the last 11 in the series. Yeah, they've lost two straight at Rogers Place, but they've won 17 of their last 23 trips there. So, Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they do have success going up there to the land of oil. Um, all right, let me bring up a, a negative spot with you, Kevin. Oh, good. As, as I tend to do. Uh, and a, a hat tip to your uh, your guy, uh, Alex Micheletti, for bringing it up on uh, X and uh, kind of remind me of it. So I took a little bit deeper dive. He was talking about Marcus Johansson and, and basically his struggles against Winnipeg and how maybe he shouldn't be in the top six. And I start to look at Marcus Johansson's game log. And over the last nine games, zero goals, one assist, six shots on goal in nine games. And this is a guy who's playing a top six role for you. Not always on the first power play unit, but get some power play time for you. You know, in a stretch in which you know the Wild had a ten goal game, and you had one assist in a nine game stretch. Uh, that's that's just not enough. My counter to that is the top line has been unbelievable. They've been carrying the load and yes. then some. They've been dominant. I mean, they haven't been good. They've been bleeping dominant. Uh, so there hasn't been a lot of offense to go around for some of the other parties. Would it have been nice. Well, how to does see that Marcus- prevent offense from going around to the others? I mean, look at what the numbers they've put up. 35 points in five games. Uh, yeah, I know, but that that shouldn't prevent someone from another line from being able to score. No, other than, I get, other I, than they get a lot of power play time, I get that. But. Except that the top line has been gobbling up all the off. If you're scoring five, six, seven goals a night, and it's all going to that top line, I, that's all I'm saying. I, I, I agree, Johansson. Yeah, but the top line scoring goals doesn't prevent the th- second or third or fourth liner from scoring goals. No, they're not competing against each other. No, I get that, but it feels like all the offense has been going to that top and line. It is. Yeah, and so whereas Johansson hasn't been contributing, it hasn't been as noticeable as it was in a game like in Winnipeg, for example, where nobody really contributed, un- unfortunately, other than Marco Rossi in that fourth line, their third line, whatever you and want I'm to call And I'm saying they could use Johansson to contribute in those games where your top line can't show up because they, they can't do what they did against Vancouver all the time. It's just not possible. Agreed. And yeah. he's it, it, it's not just him. He's definitely been a guy who has not shown up on the score sheet, but neither has Freddie Goudreau, neither has Ryan Hartman, neither has name any any number of guys. And Johansson been... is playing a bigger role than those guys. Is kind of the point I'm trying to make up. Is is you know, And the point was said... Hey, you know, Adam Beckman from the AHL, and I don't necessarily agree with it because we've seen Beckman up here at the big club, and I, I just don't know if his game translates to the National Hockey League. But I, I get the, you know, maybe Johansson shouldn't be playing the role he is. Now, I don't know what other options you have other than I, I think Rossi, Rossi could be playing a little bit more. than You know, he had a good game uh, the other night in Winnipeg scoring a couple goals. That Maybe that's the one guy, but, 
you know, you do, you know, with Felino out and Maroon out, and you know, they don't have a lot of options for guys who can jump up on your top six. It, it, that's the, the argument I've been having with Micheletti is he says the top, the bottom six have been so bad. Well, you're missing Marcus Felino and you're missing Pat and Maroon, and those are two guys that are going to play a significant role in your bottom six. I, I still think Marcus Johansson is a top six forward. But he's got to produce, and and I agree. To to get back to your point, he hasn't been producing on a regular basis, and that that hurts, especially on a night where the top line isn't delivering. Although they did have a goal in Winnipeg, you got to have someone else step up, and unfortunately, other than Marco Rossi, nobody did. I haven't heard your discussions with Pat, but I I agree that the the bottom six has not been good enough this season. And, Agreed. Well, what are yeah. your options though? What what are you going to do? Well, I mean, you know, I'm not saying. It's it's from a coaching standpoint or GM standpoint they're doing things wrong. It's I think it's just disappointing, right? Like Dewar and Duhame are guys that maybe going into the year thought, well, maybe you can get a little bit more out of them, right? They're younger guys. They got their first taste in the National Hockey League. I don't think Dewar's taken a step up this year. Um, Duhame, I just think people have overlooked him. I don't even actually underlooked him would be the yep. yeah yeah. I just never think he's been as good as people think he is. Like the the guy is not a playmaker. He can't he can't. He's not a playmaker, but he's an energy guy, much like a Connor times, Dewar who's been in and out of the lineup. At times, he's an energy guy. He's not consistently an energy guy. Well, how, how do you consistently be? What, what is he not doing that you'd like to see from him from an energy standpoint? Every time I see him out there, his legs are moving 100 miles an hour. He's throwing guys into the board. He's being a... Um, a uh, a, a, a down, dumbed down version of Marcus Foligno. Let me put it that way. In today's National Hockey League, you have to score occasionally, um, and the, like this isn't this isn't the old days where fourth liners, um, you just you have to play a physical role and be able to fight whenever you want. Like this is now a league in which all four lines need to be able to produce occasionally and be a threat occasionally. Do you and, think the Edmonton Oilers get that? Do you think their fourth line contributes occasionally? <laughs> Well, do they need their fourth line? Well, do the Wild? I mean, when when you've got a team, uh, uh, I'm talking about uh, the here Wild lately, do, yes. but right now... The Wild don't have any scoring depth. As you mentioned, it's the reason they've been playing well is Kaprizov and Boldy yeah. have been carrying the load. Yeah. And when you have a game like they did in Winnipeg the other night where, you know, by the Boldy that was bad after he was just brilliant the night before, and eventually you're going to face... When you face the better teams, they are going to be able to take out your top line better than other teams can. And we've seen that in the playoffs in, pre- sure. in previous seasons, that they're going to key in on a guy like Kirill Kaprizov, and other guys need to step up and score, and we've shown no ability to do that all season long. Yeah, no, the, the bottom six has been an issue. I just don't think that they are... Uh, the way it's currently made up, and especially considering who you're missing, Marcus Foligno is a significant piece that's out of your lineup, and I don't know what the end date is for him to return. It doesn't look like it's anytime soon, and it certainly isn't going to be this weekend. So you're without him, you're without Pat Maroon. Those are two significant pieces in your bottom six. So I, I don't necessarily look at a... Uh, a Brandon Duhame and say, yeah, you're underachieving. I think he's done about what he's supposed to do, in my eyes. I, I just think there's a lot of people, when you look at young players, you have an expectation that they are going to progress and maybe improve and get better, right? I mean, I've, I've heard many people go, why isn't Duhame on your third? And he's actually played on the third line at moments this year, right? When you go from fourth line to third line, and you're filling in in a Felino role, yeah, right? Felino's right. out. Brandon Duhame is conceivably your, your next, you know, Marcus Felino, but he ain't. Because he can't contribute offensively like Felino can occasionally. Yeah, I just think Duhame is what he is. I, I, if you think that he's oh, a guy that's going to score twenty goals a season, he he's, is, he's he, not that type of guy. That's my point. Yeah. He is what he is. Okay. People were projecting him to be more than he is. No, and like he's not a playmaker. He can't. He doesn't get any assists. He'll score occasionally. Um, I, I and I don't think he consistently shows up. 
He has moments. We agree to disagree. I, I I really enjoy watching him and Brandon Duhame when they're out there, especially Dewey. when they're together. Yeah, Dewar and Duhame. I like watching the them together. Are confusing. Uh, exactly. Uh, and that's the same thing with the Letary and Lucini. I don't think Lucini is going to be here very long, depending on how things go with this. Husandinov or whoever else comes up, you know, and he's the a guy that's really only the only guy that's expendable at this point uh, that you don't have to worry about waivers. But uh, I've I've liked what they've done on that actual fourth line, and I don't know. I mean, maybe I've got. I don't, a, I don't think Duhame's done enough to return after the season. I don't think he will return. I don't no. think. I think there's a good chance that he'll be dealt uh, towards the trade deadline. But I I like Brandon Duhame more than I think most people do, and I'm not talking about him just personally. I like what he does on the ice. He's not going to score 20 goals. He's not going to score hardly any goals. But what he does and he, the, the energy that nice. he provides, I, I like what he does for them. All right, last topic before we go. We've seen a couple games now of uh, Declan Chisholm, the uh, the defenseman. Uh, they got off of waivers from the uh, Winnipeg Jets. What have you thought of Chisholm so far? Uh, he's had his ups and downs. Um, his debut, of course, was obvious. It was fantastic. Running the second power play gets a, a goal as well in his Minnesota Wild debut. In just his fifth game in the National Hockey League. Uh, on the other hand, the other night in Winnipeg, I uh, had a, a couple of gaffes. Uh, he blew a, uh, an assignment there at the blue line. Uh, puck goes over, bounces over his, uh, over his stick. Shafley ends up with a, uh, uh, a breakaway that was stopped actually by a flurry. Uh, but I think the early returns are very good for Declan Chisholm. I think he's the, the upside is fantastic. Um, you know, he just has to get comfortable in his skin. The physical skills are there for him. Yeah. Like he has NHL, um, into skating, uh, ability to go backwards, forwards, transitions. Uh, he's got a little bit of offensive flair for him. Like, you can see where that could lead to eventually if he can just, I guess, figure it out upstairs. And now, now he's got an elevated role because Bogosian's out. He's going to yep. play a top four minutes, and we'll see how, how he responds. He's been dying for an opportunity to get into the lineup. Now he's got it. Hopefully he makes the most of it. All right, you're going to take it the rest of the way on the Extended Wild pregame today on KFN Wild Weekly. we got Marco Rossi coming up next. We'll go inside the locker room and check in with him. A wonderful game in Winnipeg despite the loss. And he, too, was, a, of course, a part of that 10-7 victory against Vancouver on President's Day. Plus, we'll grab Joe O'Donnell and Tom Reed from the booth before we drop the puck at Rogers Place. Yep, Wild Oilers tonight, 8 o'clock. The official pregame starts at 7.45, but uh, Kevin Fallon is taking you the rest of the way right here on KFN Wild Weekly. While this extended Minnesota Wild pregame continues, we're getting ready for the Wild and Oilers from Edmonton. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to take you to Edmonton, Rogers Place to be exact, and that's where we'll catch up with Tom Reed and Joe O'Donnell. My favorite part about this extended pregame, now that we got Brandon Molesky and his arguing out of the way, I get the positivity of Max Fuller in the KFAN studios. Max, what's going on, buddy? You got stuck here because the Wolves don't play until 9 o'clock? You no, know, I volunteered to be here. I'm I'm the new ambassador of hockey. If you haven't oh, okay. heard, that's what the people have voted me. I mean, I, you, they said it, not me. <laughs> okay, well, the people are, are probably right. Who am I to argue with the people? Wild coming up uh, here in just a little bit. Uh, we're just under an hour away from the drop of the puck there in Edmonton. The Wild haven't lost a whole lot of games here as of late, but they did drop one in regulation. It was three days ago, so they go three days with zero points. 
And because of that, they sink to 12th in the Western Conference. Still a handful of points away from the top eight in, in the West. So they're very much alive in that playoff push. But two points tonight in Edmonton would go a very long ways. One guy that's going to try to do his part is wild rookie center Marco Rossi. Caught up with him yesterday before the team left for Edmonton. Checked in with him at Trier Rink in St. Paul. And we talked about this rookie season. We know how things went for him last year. 19 games, one assist with the big club. Goes into the American Hockey League. Does everything he can to get ready for a full season in Minnesota. And uh, that has definitely paid dividends. We talked about that and more with Marco. Now tied with Connor Bernard for the rookie scoring lead, each with 17 goals, and tied with Brock Faber for second in rookie points, each at 33. Caught up with Marco Rossi yesterday before they headed out for Edmonton. Ninth overall pick in 2020, 19 games with a big club last year, and I've gone the distance this year, Marco. We talked a lot about your training in the offseason to prepare you for your first full year in the National Hockey League. How's it been? The early returns are good from my from my untrained eye. How's it been for you? Yeah, it has been really good. I mean, uh, so far it's really fun, and I have a lot of confidence. And, um, yeah, I try to continue like that. It feels like you've held up really well. I mean, and, and again, we talked about the amount of training you did in this offseason to get ready for the grind of an NHL season. It's one thing to do it on the American Hockey League, and that's a pretty good league down there. But then to make the graduation to the National Hockey League, how has it been, how you thought it would be, as opposed to how it is now almost 60 games into this year? Yeah, I mean, like you said, my offseason was huge. Um, I've been working a lot with Andy Ness, the skills coach, on the ice, the skating coach, and um, with Matt Harder, the strength coach. And um, they've been doing an amazing job with me, you know. My goal was to get stronger, faster, and coming into this season, you know, when you're stronger, faster, and you've been working hard the whole summer, um, and you've been skating with the team mostly, like a lot of Minnesota guys were here, um, your confidence will grow. And um, in training camp, um, I felt really good, felt confident. And um, coming into the season, you know, um, I know this is different than the years before. I'm ready. And um, I was just like, my mindset was also different, obviously. And um, so, yeah, since game one of this, of this season, I felt really comfortable in where I'm right now. Um, you know, you, before the season, you kind of try expect something like that you know because you always try to have high expectations on yourself too so um yeah i'm really happy where i'm right now but of course i always want to get better and improve and you get an opportunity here lots of hockey left to be played uh, right in the thick of a playoff hunt here as you guys try to scramble in the top eight in the western conference i was just listening to john hines talk about your development and he was raving about how you've been playing here lately obviously you're getting the results uh goals in back-to-back games three goals in the last two four goals in the last five uh obviously it feels like you've been playing well all season long but it feels like it's even ramped up to another level here as of late uh, what do you think left circle Rossi taking his shot he scores Marco Rossi a power play goal yeah I think so too because um you know you learn every day so much you know of course you always have ups and downs in a season and um but um overall um I've improved a lot and but like I said the most important thing is the confidence you know if you have confidence you will play better you you do more stuff on the ice and um yeah lately I'm feeling really good and I try to continue like that 
two goals in Winnipeg. Did you think you had the third one? Brassois made a pretty dark, a decent save on you. Did you think that was headed to the back of the net? Rossi able to take over. Got it to the point. Chisholm. Now Johansson centering. Rossi, a shot. Brassois looked behind him, but he's got it under his left pad as Marco Rossi nearly had his first NHL hat. I was hoping, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was close. I had even on my last shift another chance. But um, it's going to come. But the most important thing is um, that we try to win as a team and to make and then to make that playoff spot. You guys made a surge in Winnipeg. It fell short. You ended up losing 6-3 the game before that in St. Paul. I've watched a lot of hockey, Marco. I've, I've watched a lot of hockey here with the Minnesota Wild. I've watched a lot of hockey because I'm an old guy. But I've never seen a game as wacky as that. As that. You guys down 5-2 late in the second. You make the surge. And you score 10 against the Canucks and win 10-7. seen your share of hockey I'm sure as well played your share of hockey you ever been a part of anything like that no that that was probably the craziest game I've ever been in um yeah after 5-2 you know um it's not always easy to come back after 5-2 and especially against Vancouver but um the most important thing is that we believe in us you know and of course the fans were um crazy too and were supporting us and that helped us and um you know when you get to 5-3 and then you have another um, power play that helps us brings you like the momentum they start probably to think and like to worry and stuff and for us it was important to believe in us and I think that was huge for us you guys just kept feeding off of it seeing the hat tricks JT Miller scores one early in that hockey game you think that's the dagger and then you guys finish it off in the third period with two hat tricks by Caprice Avangel or Erickson Eck uh, just a fun historical night in St. Paul no doubt about it and I hit the road and like we said fell short against the the Jets the other night 6-3 was the final there now you go to Edmonton and as I'm looking at the line combinations again as we talk about your progression throughout the course of this year you bounced around the lineup a little bit now you're playing against two guys that do not lack energy when you talk about Lucini you talk about Letary that's going to be your line combination at least to start out there in Edmonton what do you think about playing with those two guys that like I said do not lack for energy yeah I think that's a big point uh, with the energy you know Um, they have a lot of energy and um, like I said, when I play with them, our mindset is um, two things. It's um, play with a lot of speed and try to create um, our winning battles. You know, if we do those both things, then we're going to be successful. There's a very good chance because of the line that you're on, you're going to be matched up a little bit with the potential of seeing Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, chances are you're going to see some pretty good hockey players on the other side of the ice. When you think about Connor McDavid, what's the first thing that snaps to mind for you as you watch him? not only before you got to the National Hockey League, but now you've already played him twice this season. Racing in McDavid, cut through the slot, waits, waits some more, got Flurry out of position, and he scores. A thing of beauty from 97 in blue, Connor McDavid. I think his speed, you know, um, he's so fast, he's such a good skater, and, I mean, he's the best player, you know, in the world, and um, it's it's crazy sometimes what he does on the ice, but for us it's important that we believe in us, that we play with our identity, and I think if we do that, then we're going to make it hard on them. What's it like to play at Rogers Place? I was watching their game against Boston on Wednesday night, 
and the crowd was electric. I mean, orange jerseys everywhere supporting their Edmonton Oilers, and of course they're they're playing some great hockey. Coming in there as a visitor, what's it like going to Rogers Place? I mean, it's not always easy when you go there because their fans are so like into it, you know, and they have so much passion too. And um, yeah, they love the game, they love their team, and um, so it's always fun to play there because, like I said, um, it's always a good atmosphere there. So you have your work cut out for you, no doubt about it, and you have your work cut out for you to get into the top eight in the Western Conference. If you asked me a month ago, I would have said. I don't like your your chances, but the role you guys have been on, despite losing to the uh, Jets the other night, 5-1-1 one one in your last seven, 8-2-1 in your last 11, 17 out of a possible 22 points, and now within spitting distance of the top eight in the Western Conference. A month ago, it would have seemed impossible, if not improbable, but here you guys are. What, what are you enjoying about the thrill of the hunt as you try to get back into that top eight and make your playoff aspirations become a reality? Yeah, I think first of all, you know, um, we've been playing really great lately. Um, we have been playing with our identity. That has been maybe missing a little bit before that run, but um, it's back now, and for us it's important to keep going like that. But um, the wins before was nice, but, you know, that's history now. We have to think in the future, and um, always game by game, because um, we know we have to do some work to get the playoff spot. Um, so it's important to start in uh, Edmonton again to have the first win. Tough couple of days, that's for sure. But it starts with hopefully two big points against the Oilers in Edmonton. Marco, travel safe. We'll talk to you Friday night from Rogers Place. Awesome. Thank you. There you go, Marco Rossi from before, yesterday, before they left for Edmonton. Now they're there, and that is two where Joe O'Donnell and Tom Reed are from Rogers Place. I know for Tom Reed, your favorite broadcast location in the entire National Hockey League, right, Thomas? Uh, not quite, Kevin. I can assure you that. Uh, the problem we have here in this location is every once in a while we lose sight of the ice with the clouds going uh, above the ice, so we're not able to see it all. But I'm just looking at the numbers right now. I'm, I'm amazed. Joe has got terrific eyesight because I can hardly read these numbers, and he never misses a beat. So that's a compliment to him, and I just kind of follow his lead along and hope that I can uh, add something to it. Joe, hopefully whatever you can see, it works out to be a victory for this wild team three days in between games zero points against the jets two days idle uh you just see them sink in the standings it's it's a frustrating three days of nothing uh it is but that's the way it's going to be because you can't play every night right so as the wild hit their final 25 games to go um after tonight it's going to be a lot of that scoreboard watching john hines talked about it today with the local media uh, he was asked by one of the Edmonton writers, said he, he thinks it's too early to do scoreboard watching because you'll just kind of drive yourself crazy. But there will be nights where the other teams the Wild are battling with for what we really believe is just one playoff spot in the Western Conference. Uh, they're going to win some games from time to time. So you just got to take care of your business when you can. Hopefully that starts here tonight as they get, look to get back on track. And just to Tom's point about our, our uh, broadcast perch, I just want to remind everyone we are on radio. So whatever I tell you, you pretty much have to believe anyway. That's right. But That's the beauty people, of it. Well, how about all those people who turn down the sound on the uh, TV and listen to us? Well, then they know if I'm lying or not. <laughs> they just, they'll have to trust us that we're telling it the way it is. Uh, Tom, the game against Winnipeg, they lose 6-3, but it sounds like John Hines wasn't as aggravated with the, the way the Wild played despite not getting the results. What do you see? 
Yeah, you know, it's one of those situations, once again, I think, you know, you're getting to a point right now, and, you know, you don't like to watch the scoreboards, but you do because you know you're, you're, you're battling right to the end. And Minnesota, once again, losing more players. Bogosian out of the lineup right now. But uh, when I look at Minnesota at Winnipeg, Winnipeg is a big, powerful team. And they have, I think I said before, that 12 players on their roster have played every game uh, for their hockey club this year. And most of those 12 are in the top echelon of the scoring brigade that they have. Minnesota, on the other hand, they have six out of their roster, and a lot of those guys are in the bottom half of the scoring. So the injuries have really taken its toll on Minnesota, and that was certainly evident in Winnipeg. Joe, how big of a loss is Zach Bogosian, and how comfortable are you with uh, the new kid, Declan Chisholm, getting an expanded role? Well, the first part of that is a big loss. Uh, Bogosian, figuratively, literally, he's chewed up minutes. He's played big-time role in the penalty kill, of course. I've really liked, really, whoever he's played with, defense pairing-wise. Like, it hasn't seemed to be a drop-off, no matter who he's with, and um, I, I really do believe the Wild will miss him. Now, for Declan, uh, Declan Chisholm, I thought the other night Winnipeg was a tough game for him, and John Hines sort of said that. He liked how Chisholm responded after taking some big hits from his former team early in that game. Remember, he took a penalty. The Jets scored on that power play. It seemed like he settled in, though, after that, according to the Wildhead coach. So that's a good sign, right, that he didn't get so frazzled, so rattled against his former team. He was trying to prove so much to them, I'm sure, and I'm sure it was an emotional game. Uh, but for him to respond nicely as the game moved along is certainly a good sign. I think he'll be way better tonight throughout the 60-minute game. Uh, he's going to have to be because this is a huge test. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is back in the Oilers lineup. They missed him Wednesday. And right now, as it starts tonight's game, Chris Knobloch, the Oilers head coach who took over earlier this season, has Dreisaitl and McDavid split up. So anytime the Oilers employ that where they have 97 and 29 on separate lines, you know you have your work cut out for you. You can't just say, all right, if we contain one line, we're in good shape. Uh, let's not forget this team has Evander Kane, nine straight 20-goal seasons. They've got Zach Hyman having another career year with 34 goals already. And then you talk about a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Evan Bouchard on the back end. I mean, Minnesota is going to have to check very well tonight to give themselves a chance. Yeah, Tom, I know we were watching the Oilers in the standings, and not that long ago it looked like it was going to be a lost season for them, but they gassed their head coach, they move in a different direction, and now outside of maybe a little up and down here lately, they've been virtually unstoppable for the better part of a couple of months. Yeah, they really have been, uh, uh, Kevin. There's no doubt this is a team that has a lot of firepower. We see that every time we play against these guys because of the speed they have, but also the, the success of this hockey club working together. And, of course, when you have guys like McDavid and you got Drysdale, you guys, Joe mentioned also Bouchard back in that point position, having his career best year right now with a total of 53 points on the year already. But this is a team that really has struck it rich. You know, they had 16 consecutive games where they did not lose a game, and they were very, very hot, and there's no question this is the team that uh, is built for success, and if they can stay healthy, and that's been Minnesota's biggest problem, is trying to stay healthy. They've had so many guys hurt, and now Bogosian out again, a lot of top-end players out of the lineup for Minnesota, but uh, you know what? You uh, These are the cards that Minnesota's dealt with right now, and they have to make the best of it. All right, gentlemen, enjoy the evening. We'll talk to you here in just a matter of moments.
Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Joe O'Donnell and Tom Reed, a bird's eye view, I guess quite literally, from Rogers Place as they get ready to take on the, or watch the Wild take on the Edmonton Oilers. This Wild team has been good here as of late, 5-1-1 one one in their last seven, taking 11 out of a possible 14 points and go back through their last dozen, 8-3-1, taking 17 out of a possible 24 points. But put that up against the Edmonton Oilers. Involved in their last 24 games, it included a 16-game win streak. Right, so they that dates back to December twenty first. They've gone twenty three and one in their last twenty four, and they're unbeaten in regulation in their last nine at Rogers Place. They haven't lost one in regulation on their home ice since December sixteenth. So this is a tough test, no doubt about it. The Wild are up against it, but I said coming into this week of these four games, if you could get go five hundred over this stretch, you'd be in good shape. They have the opportunity, but you got to split these two games, and it would be great to go into. Edmonton and figure out a way to go onto their home ice and deal them a blow. It ain't going to be easy, that's for sure, but hopefully the Wild can can get it done tonight. They, they'll they have some uh, all their guns back with them. You're missing Zach Bogosian. Huge loss on the blue line, of course, and if you're still without Marcus Foligno and Pat Maroon. That doesn't help their chances either when you talk about missing some big bodies, but Let's see if they can get it done. Drop of the puck right around the corner. Max Fuller doing a fantastic job. Wolves after dark tonight, uh, Max, after the 9 o'clock Wolves game? No, I wish. We're just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna give all of our attention to the Wild as they, as they deserve. Oh, sure you will. I'll, I'll be checking in around 9 o'clock to see if you're still watching the Wild and Oilers, but always great to have your contributions. Thank you, Maxwell. That's my buddy Max Fuller back in the uh, KFAN studios. Kevin Fulness here from the Bob Kurtz Radio Center. We're getting ready for Minnesota Wild Hockey. Coming up, we're going to hear from Jake Lucchini. More from Tom Reed and, of course, Joe O'Donnell. All the play-by-play action. Don't go anywhere. Where would you rather be on a Friday night the, across the great state of hockey? With your radio on and listen to Joe and Tom calling the Wild and the Oilers. You found the right place. Don't go anywhere. More after this on KFAN. KFAN.